All right, so quick announcement before we do anything else. I just wanted to throw it out there one more time. This is the book that got the most response. Um, and if you did put your name down for another book, I know like there's someone who, they were the only person down for that book. I'm just gonna find you and give you the book so you can read it on your own. But this was the book that got the most response. Um, Present Over Perfect, Leaving Behind Frantic for a Simpler, More Soulful Way of Living. Um, I was just encouraging people, if you wanna read it, find it, buy it, get it. If you can't find it and locate it, because Alex Cooper was telling me she was having a hard time finding it, but she eventually did, because it's back ordered in a lot of places. Um, I'll even copy up chapters for you and get them to you so you can read them. But the idea is get it, read it, and then if you want to, sometime in March, mid-March to late March, uh, I'm gonna email that group of people, as long as you let me know that you're reading it, and we'll find a time when we can all get together, one time, discuss it, be done. Like it's not like a huge commitment. It's just you reading it at your own leisure pace, making it happen, checking it out. Uh, I'm about halfway through the book, I really like it. I really like it. There's a lot of good stuff in there that you can relate to and connect with. Anyway, that's my one short, quick announcement. Welcome to More to Life tonight. It's good to see you guys braving the sleet and wind and all of that stuff out there. Um, so I read this today, and I'm not sure how recent it was, but I saw it on Facebook today, chased down the article, checked it out. Did you guys know that Colorado ranked among the top 10 happiest states in the United States of America? Did you guys know this? Did you see it out there today? Right? Surprising? Not surprising? What? Ooh, wait, you're ahead of me. Hang on. You're getting, you're getting too far ahead of me. Who beat us? Well, any clues to where we rank? Top 10? Two, four, fifth. We're fifth. We're fifth. We're right in the middle. Uh, based on their criteria, obviously not yours or my last week, we're fifth. <laughs> so, <laughs> or yeah, yeah, yeah. Their criteria, we rank fifth. Now, of course, Chapel already got there and he asked the question. I knew you have to ask the question, right? Who beat us? Who's number one? Number one, any takers? Hawaii. Hawaii. So if you want to be extremely happy, move to Hawaii. Um, number two, Alaska. Didn't see that one coming. Aren't there periods of like intense darkness in Alaska? <laughs> right, totally. They're like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, we should ask year-round residents in the States, right? Yeah, they should only be, anyway. And then, of course, there's some of you out there thinking the opposite of what you were thinking, yeah. Chapman. There's some of you thinking, like, so who's the bottom? Oh, right. right? <laughs> Tell us about the other side. There's the happy side. Tell us about the unhappiest states. So ranking number one unhappiest, West Virginia. Um, I know it's sad to even say this out loud, but I'm just going to go there. I'm going to give you the top 10 unhappiest states. Can we do that? Top 10 unhappiest. West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Indiana, Arkansas, Ohio, Louisiana, Alabama, Rhode Island, and last, Mississippi. Mississippi which is kind of funny. It's funny because I like reading that list and looking at your faces because some of you out there are thinking, I know someone who's really happy in that state. 
<laughs> and you're kind of like almost defending it, and then a lot of you are just nodding your heads, like, yep, shoe fits, yep, so yep, yep, yep. yep. I didn't even pay attention. I didn't even pay attention. Go Google it. Just say, top happiest states. It'll pop right up, because I saw it today, and it popped up first. Um, anyway, now, happy, unhappy, dualistic thinking, you know, opposites, that kind of a thing. I'm assuming that most of you in this room have been to a hospital at some point in your lives, or the doctor's office, and you've seen the 1 to 10 scale, right? So they say, let's gauge your pain from 1 to 10. And then there's faces now, right? If you go to the right place, there's also kind of emojis, <laughs> emoticons, that they attach to those numbers that start really smiley and bubbly, and then they get really angry or like unpleasant and unhappy. Now. I personally had to experience that list. I shattered my wrist right after we moved here in like 2001. I think I like shattered my wrist and I was in the hospital and the surgery took way too long. They were like, oh, it's gonna be like a half hour surgery. It was like three hours and all kinds of complications and interesting things happened. But anyway, afterwards I'm sitting there in the bed and they're like, rank your pain one to 10. I'm like 10, 10, it hurts, it's bad, it's bad. She came back a couple more times every time I'm like, 10, it's a 10. And then they hooked me up on an IV. They gave me the little button to push. That was awesome, because <laughs> I pushed it, and within like seconds, she was like, now how's your pain? I'm like, none, zero. This is awesome, I love this thing. Now, behind me here, I have this spectrum. And we're not gonna think in terms of one to 10. What we're gonna think in terms of tonight is, we're gonna call this good day. Can you guys guess what's on the other side? Bad day. Or like all kinds of other adjectives that you can create for bad day. <laughs> and there's everything in between. Good day to bad day. Now, what I think is interesting, if you were forced though, going back to the whole idea of a one to 10 scale and the emojis and the faces, what if you were forced to wear a number around during your day or a face that told us on this spectrum what kind of a day you were having? If you had to actually wear it around. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking, well, there'd be a lot of nines and tens out there because people tend to, you know, up their game and fake it a little bit. But I'm more like in terms of what if it just told the truth and it changed on you all day long and it said like two, or three, or nine, or seven, or whatever, or it had the face that accompanied exactly how your day was going. I had the extreme pleasure of going to some AA meetings, and I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to my sister-in-law, Emily, who's 11 years sober, super proud of her, couldn't be more proud of her, but it was because of her that I wound up in an AA meeting. And man, I can't speak highly enough of AA. Loved my time at that meeting. Loved it. And this is kind of why, like, my experience at the AA meeting was this. Typically in life, you, I'm just gonna say it, like, you have to wade through a certain amount of bullshit to get to authenticity, okay? My experience with AA, though, was much different. And here was a room where I felt like BS like evaporated and was gone. It just wasn't in the room. 
And suddenly you're in a room with suffering and joy and happiness and sadness and brokenness and wholeness. And it was all there in the same space and it was shared and it was appreciated. And there wasn't much wading through to get to it. They didn't wear numbers and they didn't have the faces displayed on them, but I'm telling you what, they put it out there. And it was very visible to see. And that's something my sister-in-law is probably going to listen to this. And Emily, I love you for it. (laughs) She carries that still. When you talk with her, when you interact with her. I remember doing her wedding and Anne, Anne and I were reading through the big book and the steps. And Anne finished and she said, man, we should do these steps. And I was like, you must be crazy. I mean, aside from the fact that I would have a very hard time making amends with everybody in my life, like that alone scares me to death. But there's this level of honesty and transparency that you're supposed to work through and express in your life. And I'm telling you what, it scares me a lot. What if you had to wear your number? What if it was just there and it was like expressed, how would that change our lives? Your life, the people that you came into contact with, how you interacted and engaged with them, what would be different? How would it change? Now, all BS aside, <laughs> I'm gonna give you guys like a three to five minute break, right? So go get a drink, grab some of the dessert, Introduce yourself to someone in the room who you don't know. Use the restroom. Come back and find your seat. I'll play some music, too, so it's not awkward. But here's what I want you to do. Tonight, right now, where do you fall on this spectrum? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your feelings, how you feel, all that good stuff. And then, if you're daring enough, during the three to five minute break, I want you to come up and just put your mark on the spectrum. You can do a line, you can do an X, you can do a circle, wherever you think you fall right now. And we're not all gonna be just like sitting here staring at you. That's why I'm encouraging you to get up and move around. But if you're daring enough, just come up here and put your mark on the spectrum. In three to five minutes, I'll turn the music off. I'll say, hey, we're back, we're gonna do this thing. But get a drink, shake hands, talk just a little bit. I'm gonna play some music. Is that cool? All right. All right, your time's up. Come find a seat. Come find a seat. Come find a seat. Nice. Oh, you guys going to put your marks up? Go for it. Go for it. Oh, boy. Let's do this one. It's funny. All right. All right. Interesting. Colorado ranks fifth, happiest. Most of you guys are having a pretty good day. 
It's good. It's good. We've got some people on the other end of the spectrum over here. Maybe like we got some people right in the middle. Someone tried to say, where is the middle, looks like. And then gauged it. Nice. Um, I've been thinking about this concept of good days and bad days for a while, and just even the words we associate with them, kind of the feelings that are associated with them, too. I just wrote some words up here, you know, on the good days, you think of, you know, positive feelings. It's like, I think on average, more of us want to, most of us want to have more good days than bad days. I put be here, and then I scratched it out and said live here. It's like you'd want to be on this end of the spectrum. If you could pick and choose, you would say you want to be over here. And over here, it's more like you associate negative feelings with this side. You want to be over here less, if at all possible. You would even say, I want to avoid this end of the spectrum altogether, right? I feel like that's kind of how we would feel if you just said gut reaction and I had to throw it out there, what I would say about it. Tonight, I want to talk about what to be aware of wherever you find yourself on the spectrum. What to be aware of wherever you find yourself on the spectrum. But first, I want to tell you a story. So I've got a quick story. Um, 1960s. Psychologist Stanley Milgram he did a controversial experiment. It, today, it's like we look at it and it's a bit unethical, but it, it yielded some really interesting results, right? So he did this whole experiment where he has a table and there's a button and there's a dial. And he brings in teachers. And then he also brings in someone else who's supposed to be a student. Now, the student is actually a scientist pretending to be a student, okay? So you have a teacher and a fake student, right? But the teacher thinks this is all real. And the teacher's instructed and says, I'm going to hand you, you know, this list of questions. You're supposed to ask the student. And you have a button and a dial. And when the student gets the answer wrong, I want you to push the button and it will administer an electric shock to the student, okay? And then, Every time that happens wrong, I want you to turn the dial up for next time. And the dial goes from, you know, really kind of mild pain to death. This is what the dial goes to. So there's only one real electrical shock administered, and that's the first shock that the teacher gets to feel to know that this, this thing is real, right? And then so past that point, you have a person in the room who's just telling the teacher it's imperative that you must administer this test, and then it must be done, and it must be accomplished, you know? So, first group of people, they're sitting in the same room, they're all right there, and without fail, no one can get very high on the dial. And all the teachers end up backing out and saying, I've got to stop this, I can't go through with this. I it's, it's hurting this, this student, I can't do this. And so the experiment's over. Then they move into the next realm. And the next realm is where they cannot, they can see the student, but they can't hear the student. So the situation changes a little bit, right? And now the teacher is actually able to go further up on the dial, but not all the way, right? So you can still see them, but you can't hear what's happening to the person. The person who's pretending to be shocked, right? Okay. Then they take away the ability to hear and, only, and give the ability to see, and they can go even further on the dial. And finally, in the test, they remove the student. 
from the room. So now you can no longer see, you can no longer hear the student, and 65% of the teachers were then able to kill the student. Turn the dial all the way up, 65%. What's interesting is they actually, <laughs> they say that the experiment was pretty unethical because what happened was you had all these people who were there to help, right? Administer a test and, and kind of do something very worthwhile and they left believing that they could have killed someone and that that could have been really difficult to do. These seemingly great, good people. What I found amazingly interesting about that study was this. When someone is out of sight and you can't engage with them, it's very interesting what you're capable of. Human interaction and this ability to be with one another and share an experience impacts you in huge and profound ways. And when that human interaction is taken away, that's pretty significant. There's a gap in what we're experiencing at that point in time. When you take away the relational interaction, being able to see and hear another human being, something's really lost. And so we'll chase that study down again like another time. We'll talk about like maybe texting <laughs> or even like how we conduct business online. Some things like that, we'll tackle that at another time. But what I really want you to get is, Human interaction is essential. We have to be able to see and hear each other. We have to be able to share another's experiences. It creates connection, compassion, and I believe it brings healing. I believe it brings healing, especially on the spectrum behind us. Now, we watched a video like two weeks ago, four weeks ago now, and it was sadly about millennials, but bigger context, it was about us and our story. And one of the things that he said in that video that I found absolutely compelling was that now, more and more, as people in a culture, we're understanding that we believe it's great to have friends because friends are fun and we can have fun with our friends. But overwhelmingly, at alarming rates, we're finding out that we can't count on our friends. This is happening more and more out of the words of people. That a lot of people are discovering that they feel like they can't count on their friends. Uh, the World Health Organization predicts that by the year 2030, depression, not heart disease, diabetes, or cancer, will be the leading cause of disability globally. This is crazy. I just wanna say it one more time. The World Health Organization predicts that by the year 2030, depression, not heart disease, not diabetes, not cancer, will be the leading cause of disability globally. I read that in a book by Susan David. I posted something on the More Life page about her book, Emotional Agility. We're going to tackle that in April. It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited. I'm reading the book right now, loving it. But she threw out that statistic, and it's, it's kind of alarming. It's kind of alarming too when I look back at the spectrum and I think about a good day and a bad day. Back to you and where you find yourself right now. I think what's interesting about this spectrum is that regardless of where you find yourself on it, this end over here and this end over here have a lot more in common than we think they do. And what I would say about that is this. If you're having a great day, you're on a roll. It's like a streak. Maybe it's a string of good days. 
and everything's going great. You're almost on autopilot and things are really good. What you might not be aware of is that you're less attentive to the people around you more than ever probably. You start to be a little inward and things are going really good for you and your story. And sadly, you don't see many other people. You don't really see them. This other spectrum over here, I've had a few of these recently. And like, if you're like me on one of these days, you withdraw. Things might slow down and things might be a little bit more hard, but recently, today, for me, I bowed out of two appointments with two people because I just didn't want to go. And so over here, what you find yourself saying is, I don't want to be seen, <coughs> right? Over here, you don't see. Over here, you don't want to be seen. And I find that both ends of these spectrums, I find it's very difficult to reach out. It's very difficult to reach out. Over here, it's hard to extend the hand. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who had a really bad day. Sometimes, like, I mean, SNL makes fun of it with Debbie Downer. Like, <laughs> and like, she walks in the room and immediately, like, takes the mood from here to here, you know? And it's, like, really hard because you're on a roll and you're having a good day. And maybe, like, you come in contact with someone and, and you, you don't know what to say, first of all. It's scary. It's awkward. I don't know how to engage a person who's having a horrible day or a string of them, let alone, like, man, I don't want you to sour my mood. Like, I'm on top of the world right now. And over here, down at Bad Day, it can be humbling to reach out to someone and ask for help. It can be one of the hardest things you'll do to admit where you are and to slap that number one or zero up and let someone see it and say, man, this sucks. Life sucks right now. And if you're like me, you tend to think about other people too. And I throw in the, the excuse or the justification and I say, well, I don't want to bring somebody else down. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll slap the nine on and I'll be okay. And I'll just get through my day and I'll make it and everything's all right. These two spectrums, good day, bad day. I feel like it's difficult to reach out at both of them. It's difficult to reach out. It's hard and it takes work. What I would ask you is this, if you're on this end of the spectrum right here, right? Because you guys put your marks up. If you're over here, are you available for others who need you? Are you looking? Like back to the whole experiment, like seeing people and listening to people is really important for human interaction. It's, it's essential to us and who we are as people and humanity. Are you really seeing people and being attentive to them? You know, you can enjoy your good days. You can be on top of the world. You can do it too. But I would encourage you to open your eyes and look around and listen and see who it is you could reach out to and help. Because there's people on this end of the spectrum that need you to help. If you're on this end of the spectrum, I might as well stand over here today. Like, <laughs> like, if you're on this end of the spectrum and you're experiencing what I would call a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day or week or month, let's just throw it out there. 
Do you call on someone when you're in that place? Do you reach out? I get it that it's hard, but do you try to call on someone? Do you reach out? We need each other on both ends of the spectrum. I know that we would much rather live over here, but we need this end of the spectrum too. And what's interesting, and we'll tackle this in April with emotional agility, there, let's just, I'm gonna erase this. We're gonna call this something else. I hate the word bad. It makes it sound like don't go there. Like you can't be on this end of the spectrum. I'm gonna call it something more fun. Um, we're just gonna call it the dark side. Yeah. I like it. Cause like Star Wars, you know. So let's just say right now, there's, you can actually harness the power of the dark side. I would say come over to the dark side a little bit and, and be over here. One of the stories that I wanted to share with you, I did an open house recently and I connected with the owner and we, we talked for a long time ahead of time and I've never sold a house personally, like my own house, but if you need to sell a house and you can't sell it and it sits there a while, you can get frustrated. You can start to have a string of bad days and it can be hard. And maybe you need to make a certain amount of money. And maybe there's more things attached to this emotionally and there's a story behind the story behind the story for this seller. And so we talked and we connected and I sat her open house and I understood that she was frustrated. And then I did the open house for three hours and no one came. So that's a bummer for everybody involved, by the way, right? <laughs> like, it's a bummer for everybody. We're talking listing broker, seller of the house, the owner, and me, who just spent three hours hanging out by my lonesome. And I'm there, and I'm thinking about her coming back home. And I don't really want to tell her that nobody came, you know? don't want to do that. And, and so I'm there and no one's coming and, and nothing's happening. So I look out at her deck and there's a ton of snow out there. Is this you? Like we've all fallen behind in January this year, but ton of snow out there. So I find a shovel and I shoveled off her deck. <laughs> the power sometimes of being on the dark side is this. You might actually be able to see other people who are having a bad day more, more than people over here. You're, you're already over here, and I get it. You might be bitter against people over here on this end. And you're like, man, seriously, like, what's going on? How come? Blah, blah, blah. But then you see somebody else having a bad day, and you notice it. And you have a power to step in. And I'm telling you what, it was a bad day for all of us involved. But I shoveled her deck. She texted me later on that night, and she was excited and ecstatic that that had happened. And it just was kind of a little bit more difference, you know? So when you're on over here enjoying the dark side, I think you have to reach out for help. I think you can also reach out to other people who are having a bad day, because I think you actually see it better. I think you're more highly attuned to it in some kind of weird way. And we'll talk about that more in April. But I listen a lot to music. I love music. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And I, I think sometimes there's like a prophetic voice in music. There's like a single heartbeat happening in music. And 
songs will climb the charts, and several of you here might be like, well, I hate that type of music, but most often what I can find in music is this message, this tone, this story, this thing that's like present in culture right now, and for some reason people gravitate toward it. And sometimes I believe that's why the song climbs the charts. In the past two years, there's a band called the Chainsmokers, and super fun music. Whoa, they're great. They had a song that topped the charts, and I want you to hear some of the lyrics, okay? I want you to think about the video we watched four weeks ago that was saying like, I love having fun with my friends, but I don't feel like I can count on them. I feel like there's a profound loss of human interaction. What happens when we don't see and hear one another? Here's the, here's the name of the song. It's called Don't Let Me Down. It says, crashing, hit a wall. Right now, I need a miracle. Hurry up now, I need a miracle. Stranded, reaching out. I call your name, but you're not around. I say your name, but you're not around. I need you, I need you, I need you right now. I need you right now. So don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. I think I'm losing my mind now. It's in my head, darling, I hope that you'll be here when I need you the most. So don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. This was a song. I mean, I heard it like incessantly from my oldest. <laughs> and like, it climbed the charts. Don't let me down. What's interesting, I'm going to give you two songs, and they're both sides of the equation that I'm talking about, right? Here's another song. This one's climbing the charts right now. It's by Starly, and it's a song entitled Call On Me. It says, when you're low and your knees can't rise, you feel helpless and you're looking to the sky, some people would say to accept their fate, well, if this is faith, then we'll find a way to cheat. Because, oh, we'll say a little prayer. But, oh, if the answer isn't fair, you know you can call on me. When you need somebody, you know you can call on me. When you can't stop the tears from falling down, you know you can call on me. Two songs out there. Most of you in this room probably wouldn't listen to them because of the style of music. Super popular. There's something being said in those songs. There's something being communicated about our interaction with one another. And really what I want you to, what I want you to leave with is just again, good day, bad day, dark side, over here. Two ends of the spectrum, both, both make it really difficult to reach out. Both make it really, really difficult to reach out. Now, I've got one other story that I want to tell you before we leave tonight. And that was from a friend quite a long time ago. Um, I didn't know until we got married. Can I, can I share something really fast? It's about you. <laughs> you know, well, you kind of know the story a little bit. Would I ask you out in the parking lot? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Um, we're open books. Let's practice that no BS meter here tonight. OK, here we go. So <laughs> um, it's going to be heavy, though. Is that OK? OK, it'll just be heavy for a second. 
So unbeknownst to us, like, you know, we're trying to get pregnant and Ian has a miscarriage. Oh. Yeah. Right. And, and, and this is like a taboo topic in some ways. And here we are going through this thinking like, we're the only people ever to go through this, A. And no one else, I mean, this conversation topic hasn't come up before. And where, where's this coming from? And then you start telling the story and then people would come and be like, oh yeah, and I had two. Oh my gosh, like you wouldn't believe. And then it was like, wait a second. <laughs> This is way more common than I would have ever guessed. It's out there, and it was like, it's like covered up. And then it was like very much more popular um, than I'd ever thought it would be. Like, not popular by like <laughs> ratings, but it was just more frequent and, and more every day than it seemed to be. And I had a friend once tell me that was a part of this community, she said, I stopped participating in going to this community and I, and I didn't feel like I could go there because every time I went there, I felt like someone else was getting pregnant and having a baby. And she said, but I have had like four miscarriages, you know? And she said, it hurts like to hear that all the time and to go there. And I was thinking of like the good day for the people who are announcing this and saying it, and it's like, yes, yes. And then I was thinking about her over here on this side and how much that like gets under her skin and, and hurts her in ways. And there's always those two sides to every story. And I guess, how can we create relationships and communities where we hold it all? And where we're genuinely excited with people and we engage them and we see them and we hear them and we listen to them and, and we create this space where I can be genuinely excited for you. And at the same time, your excitement and who you are can listen to me and, and you can be, have deep compassion for me and understanding and we can exist in that place. But so often we find ourselves on opposite ends of this spectrum and we just don't reach out to one another doesn't happen. The communication, the connection doesn't happen, and there's no bridge in the middle. And so I guess what I really want to leave you with more than anything is this idea over here is to see when you're on this end of the spectrum, see. See, see, see. Please see. Doesn't mean you have to not celebrate. Doesn't mean you can't like go crazy about your good day, but I would ask you to open your eyes, open your ears, and listen. And when you find yourself on this end of the spectrum, I would ask you to be seen. And I know that that can be hard. Both ends, you gotta reach out. You gotta reach out. Reach out. Spiritual leaders would encourage you to say, regardless of where you find yourself on the spectrum, ask the question, what can I learn from right here, right now, in this space, in this experience, and what I'm going through? I would add the question, Wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, how can you reach out to other human beings? <laughs> how can you do that? It's easier not to. I get that too. I would ask you, how can you reach out to other human beings? So until next time, this is my small promise, gift, prayer, blessing, whatever. Until next time, regardless of your spot on the spectrum, you can't control it, although you wish you could. Regardless of where you find yourself, may you see, may you listen, 
and may you reach out. And I pray that you will experience connection, compassion, and healing. Reach out. Amen. So, last two things are these. If you want to check out an interesting podcast, I feel like I'm swearing a lot tonight, but this is a title, so this, this counts. If you want to check out an interesting podcast, it's called The Bitch Seat, okay? Do you know what that is, first of all? Anybody? The Bitch Seat? Okay, so it's a podcast, but when you go, when you go in the car, thank you. When you go in the car, you've got shotgun, you've got the driver, and you've got the two people in the back who get windows, but that middle seat, right? The one where you're squished and you're in the middle, that's that one. So there's this comedian that actually created a podcast, and what she did was she found herself at this improv comedy bar, and she brought with her some journals. She was an obsessive journaler, and she kept these journals, and they were all through middle school and high school, and now she's like, you know, 25, 26. And so she whipped out these journals, and she got up front, and she just started reading from them. And she said the place was dying laughing because she was so dramatic and just so over the top. And now she's created this podcast where she talks about that, where she reads some of those journals. She's actually tried to start a live event that's on tour where you can get up and read some of your journals. And the interesting, like amazing thing about this is that doing it, and they have some serious moments. Like it's not all funny right? Because you busted out some of those journals. There's some stuff in there. But people are able to voice this and give, and give words to it, and they realize how far they've come, right? Because sometimes this area can seem long and hard and no light at the end of the tunnel, right? And then you slowly make your way back over here sometimes, and then you forget about this. But it's interesting to pull this back out and to read from it and see how far you've come. Because sometimes your growth happens at these small steps, but you've got to add them up over time and you can look back and say, so with that, I would say, if you find yourself having a lot of these days, I would say journal, 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 <laughs> journal, write it down, write it down, write it down. So you can look back and you can see the growth and you can give words to it and voice to it and see that happen. The other thing is I brought this movie some of you are going to laugh at me, but it's Alexander, <laughs> terrible, horrible, whatever, bad day. Have you guys seen this? Come on. I've got kids. You've read the book. The movie's better in this one, right? Because the book's not that great. But I would encourage you to sit, this, just sit through and watch this movie. It's a goofy one. Michael Dudek shaking his head. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. But um, it's about a family, and it's about the kid who has, he feels like he has horrible days all the time. And then he does one of those crazy wish things that happen only in movies where all of a sudden he has a good day and everybody in his family has a bad day, right? <laughs> they all have the bad day. But what's amazing is even though we would love to spend most of our days over here, I'm just going to be honest, the majority of your growth and change and development happens over there. That's the power of the dark side. <laughs> the power of the dark side is that like, this is where you grow. This is where you change. This is where you rally. This is where you connect. And like interesting things, good things happen over here. This movie is one of those. And of course it's Hollywood. Yes, yes. But check it out. 
Like, it's interesting to see this family rally. My favorite moment is when they're in a car and he's taking his prom date and they had to all get together in the minivan and the door's broken off and there's no radio and it's very awkward and the windows are blown out. Like, they're all in this car and the poor high school student is taking his prom date and they're in the back squished, pretty much. And then all of a sudden they were like, can you at least turn on the radio? And they were like, the radio's broken. And then the dad starts like, he's like, but I can make some music. He's like, and then one by one, all the family, the day is sucked on a royal scale. And for some reason, all of a sudden it's funny. And it hasn't been funny until that point, right? And then all of the family members join in one by one and they're like making up their own noises to make a song. And the prom date thinks they're really weird, but it's this moment. It's this moment where you figure out what's gonna happen on the dark side. And then my last thing for the evening, just wanna remind you again, reach out, reach out. It's the difficult, hard, uncomfortable, unnatural thing to do. Reach out, regardless of where you find yourself on the spectrum. Please grab some more dessert. We're gonna be back here in two weeks. If you need a schedule, they're back there on the table. Um, next time we're gonna be talking just a little bit more about the idea of forness. F-O-R-N-E-S-S. Because I've got a couple of stories that I really want to share with you guys about forwardness. Um, so anyway, thank you for braving the weather. Thanks for being here tonight. I hope you have a day on the spectrum tomorrow. <laughs> right? I hope you have a day on the spectrum tomorrow. It's going to be good. Or bad. Or in between. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>